From multiple international locations in Minneapolis and the other side of the world, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Tiffany Otto, Director of Partnerships for IndieCade, about getting your indie game in front of people. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. Ellen, there was something missing from that intro. It was any mention of Holly, who is still here. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> um, I don't, that's, that's hello, aloha. <laughs> Uh, good evening to you. Good good morning to Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners may remember Holly from Deep in Their Hearts, where she lives in all of us. Or from my vocal fry, which is what you hear right now. <laughs> <laughs> I should have practiced my vocal fry more. Uh, I mean, but you have me here, so like uh, vocal fry on fleek. (laughs) (laughs) That voice is our guest for today, Tiffany Otto, Director of Partnerships at IndieCade. Tiffany, hey. Hey, what's up? Thank you for having me here. We're glad to have you. Now, before we get into all of it, uh, we do have to tell listeners your fun story. We booked you a couple of weeks ago thinking that you'd be from your home in California, just a few hours off from our normal time. And then what happened? Well, uh, then I ended up, uh, so I'm originally from Australia. My family's over here. So I ended up coming home to Aussie because, you know, the whole situation in the world. And I just got out of government issue quarantine yesterday. So I am broadcasting live from a hotel room in <laughs> Sydney where I haven't been outside in a very long time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. I don't recommend flying right now. It is a government issue experience complete with government issue food and government issue hoteling. So uh, stay in your homes, kids. And they like they called you up and said, do you want to go home? And you had like a half an hour to think about it, right? Yeah. So I um, so it was in the morning because there's a for those of you who don't know, Australia locked themselves off from the rest of the world because the the cases that came into Australia, we had one foreign national who returned from business trip. And he infected Melbourne as a concept. And then we had one cruise ship that came into Sydney. And we basically, it w- uh, a lot of people were like, oh, it's inhumane to keep them on that ship for 14 days. Spoiler alert. It was not inhumane. <laughs> um, so, uh, and all 200 people came off and infected Australia. So almost all of Australia's cases came from external points. And Australia... Mm-hmm. We actually have a quarantine island. So we have a long history of quarantining, like back when Scarlet Fever was a thing. Mm. We would literally just every boat had to sit on that island for a month. No take backsies. You can't come in. And unlike in the States, it's not illegal to lock down our borders against other states. So we, so for the first time since World War I, New South Wales, the state where I'm from, where Sydney is, locked down their border domestically against Victoria and the rest of the country. Victoria is where Melbourne is and the most of the cases. So there's no community transmission over here, but that means they lock you in a hotel room for 14 days. They've shut down the airports, armed military people pick you up from like the jet bridge when you exit the airplane and literally process you and drop you in a hotel complete with a QR code and like a wristband that you scan. So I am the cleanest person in Sydney right now. And in true plague chic, I didn't have a monitor stand. So I stacked several rolls of toilet paper, you know, industrial toilet paper, 
yeah. from hotels <laughs> to make the monitor the correct height so that I didn't get back strained. Because, you know, nothing says plague <laughs> quite like a monitor stand made of toilet paper. It was structurally sound, <laughs> as I recall. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I had a job once where um, because of like the height of the cubicle walls, something, they there was some policy that we couldn't have standing desks. Evil. Um, but like yeah. people made their own anyway. And it was that kind of thing like the, it was lots of like like paper like reams mm-hmm. boxes that like reams of paper come in and stuff and they're yes. like well if i can't expense it can't really stop me from using the toilet paper or whatever <laughs> to make my own standing desk so we all become structural engineers in quarantine but yes that is that is my ex- that is why it is very early in the morning for me and an absolutely normal time for you and i know this is a a podcast y'all are listening to but just trust me i am full gremlin right now there's not a lick of eyeliner on this face <laughs> yeah we get complete unfiltered also, tiffany because you've got you you've got there's business tiffany out there in the world do it mm. doing business mm-hmm. but we've got you after 14 days of quarantine early in the morning so we're gonna get a lot out of you today i think uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong though <laughs> so let's start out just a little bit talk about um because i think we want to what I, what I what I said to you before we started recording is, you know things that indie devs need to know um, because you've been around and you so you know the mistakes they've made, you know what's important and what's not. And we want to pick your brain on all of that. But first, let's introduce people to Indicate and your role at Indicate so people know where, where you're coming from. Yeah. So um, I'm Tiffany Otto. I'm the director of partnership for Indicate. For those of you who don't know, we're the Sundance of video games. Uh, in the before times, that meant live action events. In the now times, that means we had Indicate Anywhere and Everywhere, which was a completely online nine day, 24 hours a day festival in October. Traditionally, our live action event, we do Los Angeles in the uh, second week of October, New York in the third, and uh, Paris, France in the final week of October, butting up against Paris Games Week. And obviously, we do our E3 showcase, which is the uh, pretty much the only way that an independent game can get into E3 and Ask me more about the finances of playing at E3. And let me tell you, I did some comprehensive research in the pre in the before times, and I have learned a lot about the gap between showrunners, AAA, and indie devs on the actual cost of existing. Um, yeah, so Indicate's great. We've been around f- uh, 15-ish, depends how you count, years. Um, I know, right? Math. <laughs> Calendar math, especially. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, we've been around 15-ish adjacent auxiliary years, um, founded by Stephanie Barish. Uh, she's amazing. Love her. She's my CEO. Um, she has forgotten more about video games than I will ever know in my life. She is like OG. She's a tentpole in this space. Um, Festival director Sam Roberts in charge of curation. He's the game-brained behind the operation. Um and then we have Erin. Uh, she is our Lord of Operations. She is the, the man with the plan. She is the person who makes the machine go burr. Like, <laughs> I cannot articulate what I would not be able to do without her help. Uh, and then we have a whole bunch of other people, our chairs, our alumni, our festival um, programming team, like the Gucci gang, like everybody. And then also Chris Delion, because we work together in a lot of different things. He used to be our speaking, speaker programming chair. Now he uh, does our alumni stuff and he's our alumni chair. And that's a TLDR on the structure of that. So uh, IndieCade specializes in 
games before you've heard of them. So let me give you a little timeline. Y'all remember Outer Wilds, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. We showed that game in 2013 as a prototype. So just to give you kind of the span and scale, games Mm -hmm. that we have discovered uh, slash curated that you might have heard of include Killer Queen, Antichamber, V V V V V however you pronounce that game. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> Guacamelee, Donut County, Watam, like Hyperlight Drifter, like all your indie darlings from certain time spans. Like we get them five, seven years before they exist. Oftentimes it's the first place you show, the first place you speak. Um a lot of I guess I'm not supposed to call it Gremlin Grade, but I'm gonna call it Gremlin Grade games, like you know, when it's made of popsicle sticks and duct tape before they've hired an artist. Yep. yep. Yeah. Oh, we're very familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what makes it great. It's how we push forward the medium. And like Sam Roberts is a big fan of saying, like, you see things at Indiecade that you'll see five years down the track. You'll you'll find the wave before it goes through the rest of the industry. And I think that's really cool. And like Chris Delion says all the time about how He'll see something at game tasting in IndieCade, and three years later, AAA will start using procedural generations. Like, ah, 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 we remember when that <laughs> came through. It's like a barometer, one would say. Uh, the flag, how you check the wind direction. I don't remember what that thing's called, but that. Um, yeah. And the way we do that is through showcases and private game jams. We very famously, when Google was trying to launch AR as a concept, uh, they... Um, commissioned us to run a jam and they intended to fund, I want to say one of the games and they ended up funding five of the 10 games. Cause it was just, wow. the quality was so high. Hmm. Um, including my personal favorite Undar the sea for Google <laughs> AR. <laughs> Sorry. I, that was too long, but I, I, you know, love affair with the company you work for. Mm-hmm. Got to say nice things. Cause it's nice games. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So first off it takes a village. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the village metaphor. Yeah. Like, Anyone who thinks they can do something by themselves is a dingbat and should go hide in a corner until they get bashed over the head with like a brick or something and get some sense put into them, in my personal opinion. I have such a hard time saying what I do because I don't think any of what I do would work without the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as far as what I'm in charge of, so my, my job, uh, spoiler alert, it costs money to run things. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. Shocking. I'm going to write that down. I'm speechless. (laughs) (laughs) So my primary function is to find money to run the festival because tickets do not run a festival. You need sponsorships, partnerships, and things like that Google AR situation where you bring in money through alternate venues in order to put together the machine that is, you know, the beast of Indiecade. And so as far as day-to-day running of the festival and like, I don't know, making sure tab A goes in the slot B, not unless we have uh, as unless it's part of a sponsorship package. I don't touch that. I actually don't even know how we judge games. They go into the jury. It's a black box. It gets judged by a 200 person jury. And uh, then it goes through Sam Roberts and his curatorial system. And um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's a black box. Game submissions go in. Excellence comes out like that is not like a lot of people. A lot of devs in particular reach out to me going back to things devs don't know. <laughs> see the word director in my title. And they reach out to me and they go, hey, so is my submission done? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, I, I get a list of games and I look through the submissions pipeline. Because say we have like a outdoors goods or sporting goods person that I'm trying to court for sponsorship. I'll be like, Games Master, 
Sam, do we have anything involving the outdoors this year? And I know this is verbal. So like what you guys can't see is I'm literally making banana phone motions on the video right now. Like, It's very effective. I promise you. (laughs) I'm like, guys, do we have anything with outdoors? And they're like, uh, these three. I'm like, send me the dossiers. (laughs) Pass me the dossier. If you're old, you'll think that's funny. Um, So that's like, you know, I don't have anything to do with judging. Like, I don't do that as mm. far as like the festival mechanics. That's all Aaron. Like she's, she's the, she's the homeboy on that. Like I get lists of logistics. So, so I'll, I'll find like, um, like a beverage sponsor and I'll be like, okay, Stephanie, dear CEO, what if we put a beverage fountain sponsored by beverage sponsor name? And she goes, <laughs> Tiffany, we don't have a fountain this year and we can't afford to put one in unless they're willing to pay X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no fountain. So then I go back to beverage sponsor and go, no fountain. But how, can I introduce you to the concept of ice luges? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm getting off topic. Um, so what I do is I create win-win scenarios and synergies for brand partners that allow us to fund our festival and allow us to showcase indie games. Because the cost of what it is to play, play, quote marks, I'm making air quotes in real life, in these arenas is ridiculous. Mm. And I don't think a lot of devs understand that. And so... I dual wield an Excel spreadsheet and a stack of business cards in the before times. And I go and I'm just charismatic in the, in the direction of as many executives as I can slime my way into their networks. (laughs) Kind of like when you're looking for publisher funding, honestly, like same energy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just picturing a new business card that says like charismatic slime. (laughs) Yes. So Indiecade redid their business cards when I came on and oh, I call it the, I call it the creamsicle ice cream paint job look. Beautiful white card stock, thin orange writing in a modern font, the logo on one side, very clean, very professional, like aesthetic. (laughs) Like, oh, it reminds me of the Rockstar Games business cards. And I'm just like, yes. (laughs) And I miss, I miss being able to touch my business cards and show them to people and do the American psycho thing in real life. (laughs) Um, so that's my day to day Uh, so we have the games team and Sam Roberts who do curation and stuff Stephanie who runs the whole dang thing Aaron who makes the magic happen all the committees like people like Celia Pierce uh, festival director Amaratus who um, who make the magic happen who do the composition of things like speakers and workshops and all the educational stuff Um, I come in to talk sponsorships. So let's talk speakers. Every conference, convention, and festival has a slate of people who know more than you who tell you how to do the thing. <laughs> Those people are normally put together by a speaker uh, curation committee. Um, however, if a partnerships package includes like, so let's say big brand name sponsors us for XYZ dollars and as part of their package, they get two speaking slots. I interface with them about that. I sniff test their content. And so if they're like um, a services provider, like a porting provider, part of that is me looking at them, making sure they're not a scam, going around to people I trust in the industry's opinion on this and being like, hey, is XYZ company like scammy-licious or are they tasty? Like, is this a snack or is this rotten food we throw out? And then figuring out how to walk that fine line between useful content and sponsored content. A good example is... um, uh, Unreal. So uh, Indicate was one of the first places to show the Unreal Engine in public. We're the first person before. So for those of you who are babies, you won't remember this, but the aged men like myself will. 
Unity uh, didn't exist and Unreal used to be AAA only. <laughs> a vibe for, you know, multi-million dollar bust. And they're like, you know what? Let's go indie, brah. So we did a sponsored deal with them where they did classes, essentially, like master classes where you would come to Indiecade and we'd lock you in a room with them, you know, a classroom. And they'd be like, okay, so you're probably working in not Unreal. Here's how you can do Unreal for Indies. So the content had to be good. And we would say, like, you're allowed to advertise like Unreal is for Indies. But at the end, you have to provide realistic content. We don't like shoving. I went to a coffee convention once. And I went to what I thought was a latte art class. And it was just like trying to sell me this like $6,000 espresso machine, 6,000 US dollars. And I'm just like, um, excuse me? No. <laughs> and it was really poorly done. And I'd been a bit spoiled because I'd always been to really good sponsored sessions where it was active content. At the end, they just said, and you can purchase this online at placename.com. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I, I heard the name of this espresso machine like a thousand times. They were like, trying to talk about all these features, but in a kind of weird salesy, like it felt more, not like Billy Mays, but like infomercial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like I was getting value. And it indicated like, the reason I'm going in so deep on this is it is a process making sponsored content not suck. It's really easy to just phone it in. Right, right. And the 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 festival depends on that success, right? Because like, mm -hmm. I mean, in indie, reputation, trust, like that's a, it's so make or break. Yes. It has to be win-win like you described. Yeah. And it's, it would, I would love to take money from, e from every slimy person who needs a diversity <laughs> overhaul. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, hi, we need four developers that aren't white and aren't men. And then we're going to make really pretty headshots about them. Say, yes, we love diversity in games and then wander into the void. Cool. That's an easy pile of money. But you know what that doesn't do? Oh, follow our pillars of ethics and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so predominantly, you know, I go around asking people for checks. And then when we do get to the spot where like you have a sponsored deal in the works, um, it's a lot of work. Uh, for those of you who aren't from the sales land, it's on average seven to 12 touches to make a sale. A touch is a touch point. And a lot of people, indie devs, academics, they tend to dive in on touch one or two. Be like, so when are you giving me money? I'm like, oh my God. Ah, oh, do not. <laughs> I spend a lot of time doing air quotes touches to develop those professional relationships. And so then we'll talk about like what's in a package. The only time I deal with speakers is when it's part of a package and we sniff test them and I run them through the like, hey, does this work with our content mix for speakers and stuff? Make a note. Ask Tiffany about the value of in-kind donation sponsorship and not cash monies. <laughs> because I don't think people understand that value a lot of the time. Um, and people are like, oh, Coachella's selling out. American Express is sending us on an augmented reality scavenger hunt through all the art pieces. It's like, bro, that's why we can even afford to have this. And people think something like Coachella and Golden Voice is such a massive money machine, which to a degree it is. But the liquid capital that they have on hand is probably not as high as we think it is. And insurance costs, oof, don't get me started on that. Mm. Why am I mentioning this? we're called the Sundance of video games. NDK is called the Sundance of video games. I don't think people understand how the profit margins on this work. Someone who's an award-winning game developer, a Forbes 30 under 30, whose opinion I trust beyond a shadow of a doubt. I sat him down once. I went, bro, do you realize tickets don't even cover 1% of show costs? And he looks at me and I was like, what? And then we, we discussed it because he 
the company he works for, they make a good or service, they charge people for that good or service, and that's your operating income. That's your operating cost has to be under your operating income. And it blew his mind when I expect when I explained that that's just not how the percentages go in this. So <laughs> sorry. I hope that, so. This is why sponsorships important, and this is why I spend my time eating bad chicken and and like warm wine. Well, in the before times, in small rooms with executives, in an attempt to get them to cut a check to run an arts festival. Did I answer your question? I'm sorry, I went on a rant. No, it's good because I think uh, people who have been to Indiecade will like maybe be a little bit surprised at the comparison to Coachella, especially when people talk about like, oh, oh, like all these like sponsored things at Coachella. It makes it seem so corporate because Indiecade does have a lot of sponsorships, but I think it, just in the times that I've went, it doesn't it. I could see why people don't realize that's how it gets funded because it doesn't feel so like suffocating. And I think that, I mean, that does now sound very much like uh, the, all the work that has to go in mm-hmm. to making it feel like a natural fit. Yeah. And please feel free to uh, at either me or the podcast on Twitter and I will clarify any points because I think that ongoing conversation is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's just so nice. I would just be like, any, anyway, and if you have any questions, Google is free. <laughs> like, and move on. So good, good on you for being like, it's a conversation. Come to, come to me. Well, so speaking of Google is free, let's talk about another sales thing they teach you in business school, which actually goes directly to my job. So all of you make nice games, which means you're like, yes, buy my game, or I want to make a game you'll buy or download or whatever. There's this idea of friction. Going back to the five, seven touches to make a sale. There's an inverse uh, formula for that, which is the friction to making the sale. So let's take an online shopping cart. Tiffany likes shoes because of course she does. You can hear from the amount of vocal fry in her voice and the fact that you know she lives in Los Angeles, that homegirl likes shoes. (laughs) So if I'm at a website like Nordstrom.com and I want to buy shoes, I see a pair of shoes I want. I want the nude strappy heel with a sling back. Yes, I see it. I like it. I want it. I got it. Like you like my shoes. Gee, thanks. Just bought it. No. So (laughs) from the moment I see that shoe on that website, there's a discoverability issue, which I'm sure that Mark will have a lot of emotions about in a minute because we're going to talk about that. They're building up already. (laughs) (laughs) So from the moment I find the shoe, let's say that I found the shoe magically. It's, It's there. I just knew it. Like my, my, Mark sent me the shoe because he heard me griping about needing this shoe and he sent me the link. So I have a solid in. I'm a warm lead. This, is, this isn't a warm lead. This is a hot lead. This lead is served with tea. And so from the moment I click on the shoe, I click add to cart. But for those of you uh, listening at home, I'm counting on my fingers while I do this. So I click add to cart. Then I click buy now. Then I have to put in my credit card details. And then I have to approve my credit card details. And then I click conf- uh, shipping address, confirm order, and then the splash screen pops up saying your order will arrive in three to five business days. For those of you counting along at home, I now have seven fingers up. That means it was seven touches to execution of the sale. Now you need seven touches to make a sale, but you want no more than three touches for execution. Mm-hmm. Any higher than three touches, you have a 25% chance of losing your consumer at every step. And that's 25% of your original 100%, not 25% exponentially going down. This is why Amazon's buy now button is so dangerous. Your credit card details are stored. Your account's already logged in on five to seven devices. And that's why it comes up. They have the buy now button right underneath the add to cart button. So theoretically, if I'm on Amazon looking at the same pair of shoes, I can impulse buy them. And if you're not a thing about internet hygiene and safety, 
Amazon will already know your shoe size if you've saved it to your file. So this is where Nordstrom's actually really great. If you have an account with them, I'm a fan of guest accounts because I'm paranoid about internet security, but let's pretend you have an account with Nordstrom. They save your sizes. You can tell them to save your sizes. And whenever you search like nude slingback strappy shoe, it will only show you nude slingback strappy shoes that they have one in stock and two in your size. Brilliant, because not every shoe is made in every size. So my point being, Nordstrom's great. If you have an account and you're already logged in because it's 2020 and we stay logged into everything, they can get you down to two to three clicks to make the sale because they have your, your shipping, your credit card, all that saved. So if, uh, if Mark sends me the, the sling back and I'm logged into my Nordstrom account automatically, we've got click on the picture, click add to cart, click approve purchase, three clicks, three points. You haven't lost your sale because you're within three clicks. Why does this matter for games? Well, this is a UI UX thing that de developers and designers talk about all the time. A lot of people don't look at the time between losing, between getting your consumer and losing it. Mm -hmm. And that's the trade-off you have to make. Do I collect mm -hmm. enough data on them or do I have a guest account? Do I let them log in with PayPal or do I make them make a bespoke account on my site? And you guys have made mobile games. So you understand like this trade-off on like analytics and stuff. Yeah. I forgot the original question. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got, I was giving useful information. Okay. <laughs> yep. No, this is great. I think this is, this is one of the easiest interviews yeah, we've done honestly. up to now is we just like, we sort of just spring the trap and then you can just run <laughs> with it. And then there's so much in there. That's great. The, you're putting these relationships between these concepts, but they, they repeat throughout the cycle, right? So whether it's, it's a, a product on sale or if it's an advertisement and the goal is to get them to click to a, a landing page. If the game's not done yet, but you want them on your newsletter. Oh, that's a per So you reminded me. So we're talking about how many touches to make a sale, but more importantly, mm -hmm. how many touches before you lose the execution of the sale. Mm, yeah. And Indicate, uh, we we're saying like, okay, Indicate kind of looks like it's made of popsicle sticks and bubble gum sometimes because we put all of our money. Fun fact, we spend more money on scholarships than we do on advertising, which, um, you know, that's not uh, fiscally sound, but it's, you know, great for ethics and <laughs> Feels stuff. Feels nice in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> that's worth it. But you know right. what? Your heart's fine. Your stomach gets hungry. And so I think sometimes indie developers forget both sides of this. The clicks to lose an execution, because this happens in real life too. It's the touches to make a sale and the clicks to an execution. You walk up to a publisher and you go, I have a game. It's a platformer made of ducks. And they'll be like, I don't know you. Why are you talking to me? Please do not. What? security like you know that's how that works yep. but then there's also the like you lose the sale sometimes because you make it too hard mm -hmm. like and this goes back to like what is the value like how many clicks to get to the end of the tootsie pop yeah don't put more clicks between me and the tootsie pop and they say this in venture capital too when you're asking for money to start a company like uber or softbank or WeWork or like literally anything you've heard about in some silicon bro situation uh, it was trendy for a while to send out pitch decks with a trackable link to see who's opened it, but it made you sign in. Those mm. decks never got read. Mm. They're better off just sending a PDF, like a PowerPoint glued into a PDF. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think sometimes, especially if you have an engineering bent, we think we're smarter than we are. I know I do it all the time. Like you're making it harder to get to the Tootsie Pop. You're making it harder to click buy now. Raw Fury has a bunch of stuff on this. Like Johan, he tweets it all the time about uh, like, yeah. make it easy for me to do the thing. Yeah. Make it easy for me. Because here's what it is. Friction. 
the people with money, the people with power in this pipeline, they're busy. They don't have time. If you like, if you make it harder for me to get to what you want, like how do we lubricate this situation? And this goes back to indicating the popsicle sticks and why I went on this rant in the first place. Part of it is win-win. The sponsors want indies to talk to them. The indies probably want what these sponsors have if they've made it through our vetting process. How do we lubricate that scenario? How do we minimize? How do we get you closer to five touches as opposed to 12? Because a hard sell, you need 12 touches. An easy sell, you need five. And the difference between five and three is two. So if you got three clicks before you lose my attention and you need five touches before you execute. And so Mm -hmm. how do you lubricate the situation so that you have a win-win for everyone? How do we make it so that the sponsors don't sound like trash fires? And how do we make it so that the devs aren't on defense and not wanting, they don't feel like they're being sold to? How do we make it so that the press and the publishers get to the games? And how do we make sure, I know one person is like, I literally am only allowed to talk about mobile games. The press guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm only allowed to talk about mobile games. I hate it. I w- yes, I do want to go play your cat game on Switch, but I have to, I can only talk mobile. And I was like, okay, note to self. And in my head, I'm ticking off all of the, you know, we show about 100 games uh, per festival. Mm-hmm. In my head, I'm like, okay, these, this one is willing, they're looking at a mobile port, they're looking at a console port. Okay, console guy, no. PC guy, no. Steam guy, no. This is technically a PC game, but they are in conversation with a mobile publisher, so I might be able to slide that in. Like, this is stuff that I'm doing on the back end to, because my goal is to have every segment. Ooh, that's a nice business word y'all are going to hate. We can make a term sheet later and like put it on Twitter after you edit this. That's like, because my clients, air quotes, I have the sponsors, but I also have the developers. I have the press. I have our long-term partners. How do I make sure every client wins? Mm-hmm. How do I, because, you know, press wants games. Games want press. This, you would think it would be, like Holly, you were talking about this earlier. You'd think it would be like tab A into slot B. Instead, it's like ah, matrix of fifteen variables. <laughs> I, I don't know. Someone who's not me to talk about this. Well, I, I like that you brought up those those touches, those like making it easy to access your game because I think that you're right. A lot of people, I'm probably guilty of this too. A lot of people like make it difficult for you to even get an understanding of what the game is before like they can. They had they you know before they can make a decision on whether or not they want to add it to a thing. Um, I know that like I um, in the past have tried to be in the habit of like having a video ready on my phone to play if I like am in the middle of a, a meeting or something. If I just happen to be in the bathroom line with somebody from <laughs> prayer hands emoji prayer yeah. hands emoji right now, just like I love you. I, I don't I don't know where you are. I don't know what festival we'll see each other next. But send me a TLDR on your game and next time I hear someone who needs it, God, if you have a video in your pocket, I am more than happy to introduce you. Yeah. Well, yeah, like that kind of stuff is super good. And then in making it when you're sending demos, just like, you know, having being able to access the core of the game right away, those kinds of things, you know, go a lot towards selling it. If you gotta sit through a two minute long cutscene before you can even nope. And the cutscene isn't the more part of the thing. Yeah, like you yeah. lost me. Yeah, mm-hmm. you lost me three seconds and yeah. oh, oh, I have, I have a, I have a case study we can do on this. A learning moment where I humiliated myself thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best kind. We had a sponsor. Um, we had a potential sponsor that was in the pipeline through a, a connection of mine who saw a project I made and was like, yes, like it should have been a slam dunk. They came to us. I didn't have to stalk them. They stalked us. Oh. 
best case scenario, <laughs> two of my touches done because you stopped me ahead of time. And so they came to us and they're like, we like you. We want to be involved in your nonsense. And I was like, yes, nonsense. I can provide nonsense. That's my primary export. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, but your festival's at the end of the year. We only have XYZ dollars left in our budget. We are willing to give you all XYZ if you can just put together a document that sells it because we've got to sell it upwards to our CEO, but it's a slam dunk. Like we want your nonsense, your nonsense, like synergy, like <laughs> perfect. I was like, okay, five slides. Like, you know, the guy Kawasaki method, five slides, slide one, title, slide two, headshots, slide three, core loop, slide four, prices, slide five. Thank you for playing. Like, yes, all pictures, no more than eight words per slide. We're ready. But um, I got advice from someone who was like, no, 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 you need to be more explicit. I was like, what? And they, they were not from the tech space. I previously worked in um, big tech. So I am very SF energy in that. Um, and so I was like, okay, if, if we don't do slide decks in this industry, I understand if this isn't how it's done. I we submitted a 15 page academic brief. Oh, what? Oh no. <laughs> S- single space 10 point font. The sponsor gave us one fifteenth of XYZ. It was still a great sponsorship. They loved it. Uh, you know, we still have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I later became friends with some people at this company, like personal friends, uh, which means I no longer could handle their account. I had to pass it to my CEO because, you know, reasons. <laughs> Those damn ethics again. <laughs> no. Ugh, so rude. And so... um and so I've actually become friends with three or four people at that company. Cause now that I can't handle the account, I'm like, yay, you can all be friends now. <laughs> and so, um, I've spoken to five people individually, privately, friendy aid. And every single one of them went, holy bejesus, that, that brief, can we just not? Oh, and they're like, God, if you had just given us five slides with slide one title, slide two headshot. I'm like, <laughs> so we literally lost it because we tried to be too detailed. Mm-hmm. And this was an academic style brief. We lined out everything. We put it, but we didn't do it in graphs and tables and pictures. And executives have exactly two brain cells and four seconds total left by the time they get to your pitch. Mm-hmm. Like I, he, one person came to me and goes, that thing, I looked at it and I just passed it up to my CEO because it's what you'd given us. And he looked at it and goes, what the hell is this? I'm not reading it. Did no one at the company had read it. It was too long. They read the first two sentences of the opening and, the la- and they flipped through and, and um, I put these bright orange icons with a bright orange title. So one thing was like basic sponsorship. And then I had like a, a like, uh, we often sponsor parties. We'll have people sponsor parties. So like, it was like party sponsorship and had a picture of the orange picture of two champagne glasses clinking. And one was like, networking social sponsorship and it was two beer mugs cheersing and they're like the only thing we liked was the giant orange titles and icons i'm like like, (laughs) (laughs) and then at the end it literally was just a question mark popping out of a box and three sentences that were like it was like or dot 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 or something completely different Mm -hmm. and it was three sentences that said like we understand that some of these packages might not be right for you we look to create a boutique win-win experience Ice luge, okay. Straw man, do it. Giant bowl of ramen, that was last year. Talk <laughs> to us about something absolutely crazy. The sky, the imagination, and the budget are the only limits. 
that was the only one they liked. Yeah. And I, they were like, yeah, we would talk to about them internally as the icons. Like they kept saying like, we want to do the box one. We want to do the box one. We want to do the box one. Huh. And they meant the like question mark box. They're like, we were interested in the champagne one and maybe the beer one, but the box one. And like, I was like, dang, we lost the sale because we made it too complicated. So please learn from my mistakes, have the information they need, but like, ha- like chunk it. Humans use chunking as mm-hmm. mental shorthand. Uh, you can go Google that. It's in Wikipedia. It's why phone numbers are designed the way they are. Um, <laughs> you should have your five slides, but you should also in your back pocket, a la Steven, you should have a, uh, you should have. Appendix A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Two videos, one that's 10 seconds, one that's 30 seconds. You're like, you, you should be like a, um, a gunslinger from the Old West, except with like <laughs> magic cards. Like you pull them out. It's like, hello, <laughs> what can I interest you in? And there's an element of you can't say like, well, what would you like to see? Because they're not going to say uh, financials from Q5. Right. Like, <laughs> spoiler, Q5 doesn't exist. I made that up. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, <laughs> you've got to guess what they want to see, but only just what they want to see in boiler room. They have a scene called sell me the pen mm. where they talk about you lose the sale. Cause you oversell. You have too many clicks. It gets to the center of the Tootsie Pop. Yeah. All right. I'm here to talk to y'all about our discord channel. Wait, we're not going to talk about the Patreon again. <laughs> I, thought, I think they heard enough. Of I thought we were all Patreon all the time. I mean, th- you should you should you know follow us on Patreon too. You know, if you want to send us a few dollars. But <laughs> I'm here to talk about Discord specifically. Okay. Because <laughs> I think I mean I like having the opportunity to talk with the community, and I think the community appreciates being able to talk to us and others in the community as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm hoping that. You know, you get something out of it, and we get something out of it. It's a mutual beneficial thing, just like our Patreon. But <laughs> wow, you're so slick at this. I know I'm pretty good. At it. <laughs> um, I think there there was a conversation that people were, were asking about, like ranking the different types of episodes we've got, because you know, over 200 episodes now, we've accumulated a bunch of different types of episodes. If you have any opinions on that, wait, someone check ma- out. someone made a tier list. <laughs> yep. You didn't see that? I didn't. No, I missed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, but I suppose, listener, if you have an opinion, you now know where to share it. Yes, yes. You can go to nicegames.club slash discord to share your thoughts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. There's two really important like insights I'm hearing from that. One is that I, I think a lot of times when you're trying to convince someone to pay attention to what you're doing, you the instinct is to is to prove it to them like mm-hmm. the, like here's and that's the academic paper approach right it's the right. this mm-hmm. is why you'll like it and this i know you don't trust me but here is the proof and it's gonna but the proof has to be long because it requires a lot but the thing is is people don't want proof they want to trust you mm-hmm. and so you have to earn their trust not prove to them and that is so difficult because the other thing that i'm hearing from this is that not everyone's going to want what you have. Mm-hmm. And there's the, there's the, and you have to be cool with that. There's no, if your pitch is so good, it doesn't mean anyone will buy it. Correct. And, and so it, a lot of the advice that you're giving is really about just not making the mistakes so that no one will buy it. <laughs> right? Yes. Right. So also, you need to prove it in their language. I literally wrote a, a note while you were talking. It's like, <laughs> I think sometimes we think that our language is other people's languages. Mm. For those of you listening at home, go Google the five love languages. <laughs> uh, this is a relationship thing, but it'll teach you something really important about human behavior. Because frankly, I don't care about your game. No one cares about your game. It's not about your game. It's about nine other things. I'm sorry. I'll tell it to you. I'll be the bad guy. You can flame me later. But- it's not about your game. It's about, does the portfolio need it? What does the product mix look like? What's the landscape look like? Is there a user base for this? Does the user base convert? If it costs $100 to make your game, are there going to be at least $107 worth of people buying the game? Or if it requires a 200% down, is it going to be $200 worth of people buying your game? And the answer might be no. And you need to understand that. My least favorite thing taught to people who make games and believed by people who make games is make the game you love and the money will come. If you just love what you're making, that's the best way to make it. No, (laughs) that is fine. If you're a hobbyist developer with a day job and Chris Delion's entire company, home team game dev, highly recommend by the way. Um, Great guy. He his whole company is about like, not every game has to be Fortnite. Not every game is going to be FIFA. Not every game is going to be Hyperlight Drifter. You can make a game that you love and is made of your soul, but as long as you make it without the expectation of, ma- of eating off of it, that's fine. I have made so many games that are garbage fires that nobody except me would enjoy. And, and that is beautiful, but that is not how you get your game published. It's also, it can soften the rejection too, right? If you like, keep in mind that like, yes, this is a product coming from your heart and people do when they reply like, hey, I really like your game, but it's not a fit. They're not necessarily, I mean, they could be letting you down gently, but like if, if they're like looking through like what they need in their catalog and like what their like sales goals are and stuff, it's, it's just like, no, it's not you. I, I don't know quite how to say that. Like, yeah, you did it. You made a game with your heart and it was good. It's just not a fit. And like, right, don't take right. it as personally as maybe you probably want to. And there's also this element of like, if you do it right, if you, so I've seen a lot of devs that are just so money focused, they, they forget that these people are people too. And they're like, mm-hmm. maybe it's an engineering mindset. I did see this a lot at 
in my comp sci classes. It's like, if I can't get a outcome out of it, I'm not going to do it. But if you do this, like seven touches, not being a piece of trash, three clicks thing properly. So I know somebody who works at a publisher that uh, they're an indie publisher. They're, they have the ability to green light games. And I know somebody who's making a visual novel. This company does not do visual novels. I put us all in a call together and we were chatting and um, the publisher rep was talking and like, oh yeah, tell me about visual novels, about what the market looks like, da 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 And the visual novel developer, they started talking as well and they explained like the space and da-da-da. And they're like, yeah, so we don't do visual novels. We'll never do visual novels and we're not going to publish your game. And they were like, yeah, no worries. And you could, the only reason I didn't deflate is this developer really trusted me and knew I wouldn't waste an hour of their time on a meeting without a good reason. Mm-hmm. And they did it right. They they presented properly, you know, they just like you know, Stephen, they had it in their back pocket. They had the magic cards ready to go. Um, they provided all auxiliary details, dropped the links in chat, everything was perfect. And then the the publisher rep goes, you know, I'm not gonna touch this, but my friend XYZ who works at ABC, this is this is his nonsense. <laughs> Let me set up a call with you guys next week. I'll do the introduction. And I'm like, yes, my work here is done. Because if you don't suck, if you're not militant, if you don't submit academic briefs when you're supposed to put in five slides, you'll make a good impression. And then they'll forward you to the person who can do the thing. You know, our industry has exactly six people in it. And four of them are Gordon Bellamy. So like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've had so many times when I've spoken to developers, I'd indicated E3 anywhere. And they hear I'm a business guy, but they hear I can't get them a publisher. Like, oh, so you do publisher lays? And I'm like, no, I don't. I ask old white men for money. That's my MO. They immediately stop talking to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. excuse me? You haven't even heard me rant about my pink clipboard yet. <laughs> <laughs> little do, and, and little do they know, two months later, they were in a pitch competition at DreamHack, and I was one of the judges. And I stared them down and said, no, I'm not giving you the money because I know that you will burn every verbal bridge that I set up for you. Mm -hmm. So be nice. (laughs) I hate everything. Be nice. Tiffany, that reminds me. I I do want to talk about uh, a little tangent of my own. Um, You recently hosted a networking event for students. Yes. And, and, And that was the lesson you were teaching them is like, Mm-hmm. It's not about the lucky break or meeting the person who will change your life. It's about the skill of like w- mm-hmm. of, of meeting with people, which is basically the same as any other kind of social things. Um, mm-hmm. t- uh, uh, expand a little bit on that, because I think that that was a really cool thing yeah. you did. And I think it's a lesson a lot of people need to get. Yeah. So um, so <laughs> so I went to business school. Spoiler alert. Um, I went to a school that we, when the Wolf of Wall Street movie with DiCaprio came out, we looked at it and went, okay, Tuesdays, next. <laughs> like we, uh, my freshman year during orientation, we watched American Psycho and Boiler Room as like learning experiences, not humor. So like uh, we produce consultants, iBankers, um, and half the entrepreneurs in SF. Like we, we are number one in the world at what we do. It's Babson College, in case you're curious. You can go Google that, B-A-B-S-O-N. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> My commencement speaker was the founder of LinkedIn. Let's just, let's just whack that on the table and call it done. <laughs> the year before was the guy who invented Twitter. Very businessy. Oh, yeah. Oh, we are slimy. 
um, in a good way. When I say slimy, I realize uh, if you don't know me, that might come off as bad. I'm using it sort of tongue in cheek. Like business has a bad rap in our industry. We have this idea of like, give me money, but I hate money. Like I hate money. Money is evil. Give me money. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm sorry, y'all need to, y'all need to go to a basic business class. And (laughs) so I had a lot of training in how to talk to people I one, dislike, two, have nothing in common with, and three, will never see again, but might need in 10 years. Uh, they actively trained us. They put us in simulations. They, it wasn't theater, but it was like, they had a bunch of professors pretend to be Mark's quote unquote, uh, not Mark LaCroix. Those are great, but, um, (laughs) Oh, shucks. Uh, but Mark's like target, but, uh, they, they had professors pretend to be like personas, you know, uh, dude, you need investment from that really doesn't talk to women, like whatever, like they, they had us play out through these things. They gave us tools. They taught us about, they had us read about the five love languages. They had us read about um, conversational currencies. Like, and so I got a grilling. And by a grilling, I mean a roasting. I came out of that like crispy AF. Mm. Like how to, because I think sometimes we get on our high horse in our industry and we're like, I don't want to talk to this person. They're so corporate. It's like, bro, where do you think the money came from? So like, they taught us how to talk to people we actively didn't like and do so in a pleasant, polite, businessy way. How to work with people we don't necessarily get along with for the, you know, uh, length of the project and move forward. And like, I didn't realize how valuable that was and how special that was and how different that was until I started interacting with people who didn't go to my college. And I was like, what is wrong with all of you? And the answer was me. I was what was wrong. I was over-indexed in this skill set, and these people just hadn't been given the opportunity to earn those skill points yet. So what Mark is alluding to is I did this thing called TGIF, because uh, my name's Tiffany, so I wanted an acronym that started with Tiffany, and I uh, shoehorned the rest of it in to work with a fun acronym. <laughs> where, um, So I see this, uh, I call it boomeranging. I see it happen a lot. Uh, you'll get a student who's super like, Oh my God, Kojima. And then you'll get developers who they become like, okay, student, which means they start um, dumping all their information kind of. It doesn't become a two-way conversation. It doesn't become a horizontal conversation. It becomes a boomerang. It becomes student going, oh my God, I love game name. And then person going, yes, game name was very fun to make. It becomes asynchronous conversation. It becomes disjoint. It becomes a professor student. It becomes a savant acolyte it does not be on the stage yes yeah stage on the stage exactly nailed it ellen thank you and mark you've seen this when i go into networking rooms of our peers i go in as peers i assume we're on the same horizontal level like i know i have value they might not match with your value might be incongruent you might not care about how to make a pitch deck or seven touches to make a sale but I also might not care about, you know, 3D modeling of hair effects in blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but I know how to have a conversation with you for the seven to 12 sentences that an average networking conversation is without it being freaking weird. And people are like, oh, my God, she's such a robot drone. It's not seven to 12 sentences, Tiffany. Stop being so like cold and callous. I'm like, have you ever counted it? Have you ever walked around a room listening to other people's conversations? Because Babson has a department full of people that does that, makes the numbers and then shows them to us so they can prove they're right. I don't care about how to model hair textures in whatever a blender. Is that what people, I don't care. But I do know 
But what I do know is when you tell me you care about hair modeling and textures, I can go through a card catalog of things in my head and go, I thought that the way they handled dreadlocks in Horizon Zero Dawn was really interesting. And did you hear about that, how it was really important that in Miles Morales in the redos, the, um, the hair textures was incredibly important for underrepresented communities. Like I remember there's a lot of, can you, so why was that particularly hard? Or usually what I'll say is, yeah, the Miles Morales hair textures, that was a vibe. I remember hearing about that. And then they go, oh my God, the modeling on that was incredibly hard. Like, have you seen like how you have to texture African-American hair? Like there's entirely different physics, da, da, da. And then I go, yeah, I did see this thing on, um, on Pinterest where they were showing how to draw in anime, like the three different sections for shading African-American hair and traditional hairstyles, like natural hairstyles, like pineapple buns and stuff. And voila, we're 12 sentences in. We care about each other. We didn't have to get anything out of each other, but it's not slimy. Mm -hmm. Am I articulating this well? Yeah, you're interfacing with their interests and abilities with your interests and abilities. Like yeah. you're, you're bridging it together. You're, you're not, it's not like a just, um, you're not faking it. It's, you're using techniques to uh, stitch it together, right? And the key is that it's peers. We're mm -hmm. speaking horizontally at each other. We're horizontal in this moment. We are equivalent because we both got to enter this room. And as long as you can talk without being a piece of poo, you are always horizontal, but you can't fanboy. You got to treat everyone equal, but not below you and not too equal. You've got to be able to understand when someone outranks you or outclasses you in a, in a vertical or a vector. And you got to be able to give respect while still holding your own respect. And that's a really hard skill. And you know how you learn it the hard way? By falling on your face and being embarrassing and think about it you all have your personal projects where like uh, let's say you're trying to make a shader in unity and you're just like oh god shaders are hard you have an awkward personal project and you do like 45 really ugly shaders before you have a half decent one that you're willing to post on a unity forum and get critique on mm -hmm. nobody sandboxes business so over this tgif thing that mark was talking about i got a bunch of kids from a bunch of schools i invited a bunch and i seeded the deck for lack of a better term it was video calls because plague 2k20 with a bunch of real live game developers of all sorts of disciplines from all around the world in different time zones who already knew each other so that we would already be having horizontal conversations. And I forced the kids to introduce themselves every time a new person entered the room because you know what kids are bad at doing? Intros. Like, uh, I'm a, maybe a game design student. I'm thinking about creative writing. and I'm not sure how writing fits in games. And my name's Bob the Builder and I'm a, I'm a junior. By the end of it, it was, I'm Bob the Builder. I'm a second year student at insert college name here. And uh, I'm a, while well, I'm a creative writing major, I'm interested in doing narrative design moving forward. Uh, yeah, on to you, insert name here. <laughs> because they had a sandbox to play in. They could iterate on their technique. And once they realized it was a safe sandbox and all these people were just garbage fires like them, it was incredibly casual. Everyone showed up like no makeup, buns, like doodling in another window, you know, cursing about losing at Smash Bros. Because I, I seeded the deck with people who already knew each other enough to be horizontal, like to have that horizontal conversation. And once the kids saw that, oh, oh, all these people are garbage fires and just thirsting after Hades on Main, <laughs> like once they realized we too are garbage, they got way more comfortable with that. And it's the sandbox that I had in college that I was hoping to create for these kids. And oh my God, Oh my God. So I'm a fake student in a class with a bunch of these kids. So I can creepily watch them because I love watching people. <laughs> the professor gave me permission. Okay. This is consensual. Um, 
I was watching these kids interact with the guest speakers. So this class has a bunch of guest speakers that are like VPs or SVPs or like president level. And I am the only person in this class, the fake student who's not supposed to be there, who will ask questions. I'll be like, excuse me, Mr. Insert Name here. Can you talk to me more about your thoughts on integrated procedures for hair generation and 3D modeling? <laughs> Thank you, mute mic. I don't care. I just want to talk to this person. Uh, you know, and now, oh my God, all the kids who went to TGIF, they all ask such good questions now and their format is so good. And now they're like privately emailing and DMing with all these executives. Like, and one of them was offered a job. Like literally we were in the call and she's like, uh, I know she's been having a hard time getting an art job because there's just not enough of them laying around. And she was in this room talking and, and uh, a developer that I know who's in Europe, she goes, wait, what do you think about Art Nouveau? And she's like, not Art Deco, not Art Nouveau. And she goes, yes, Art Nouveau. I, I like it. She's like, do you know how to draw a UI? She goes, yeah. And I'm DMing, I'm DMing her. I'm, Drop your portfolio in the chat. <laughs> and she's like, what? And she started doing a student. And I go, stop it, stop it, stop it. And I like, I was like, pause, metagaming kids. Now, you, drop your portfolio in the chat. You literally are about to get a job offer. They're in conversation right now. Nice. Yay. That's wonderful, yeah. It's interesting you talk about like the students, the, the, the environment. The reason that I, I wanted you to talk about it is because, uh, again, with everything you're saying, it, it like works on multiple levels. So you have those students who need to have the, like, that ability to network with people who are um, above them in a hierarchy, right? And mm -hmm. to understand, actually have the relationship and be horizontal. But indie games who've been in this game for years have the same problem when they're pitching to publishers yep. and they're trying to get press. It's very much like, at, you know, at the feet of the gods, like they have all the mm -hmm. power and and but and you said it very early on, like everybody is people. Mm -hmm. And so at, at every level, we all need a little bit of practice at these things. And we have so few opportunities to get it. Oh, I didn't realize that no one else's school literally put them through a firing squad of sandboxes on how to network because. Mm -hmm. OK, so so I went through this firing squad like I had the sandbox as part of my undergraduate education. and. I, I, they, people just say go network and I hated it. I didn't know what that meant. And if I'm so set up for success in this, holy bejesus, like I can't imagine what someone who's like an architecture major or a comp sci major or an obscure German literature major had. Cause I went, I, I, my degree is in global business management with minors in East Asian studies and Japanese language and culture, leadership and entrepreneurship. Like I am overkeyed min-maxed, over-indexed for like slimy corporate executive. Like that is what I want to be when I grow up. Like if I was told go network and didn't know how to execute it, I can only imagine what a disadvantage literally everyone who's not me is at. And so for me, it's like, how do we build these sandboxes? And like, it doesn't have to be students. How do we build a sandbox where we can, and Mark, you were here for a lot, you were here for TGIF. So you- mm -hmm you saw like there is a level of structure. It's not just go network, which is where you cry near the cheese plate and hope someone approaches you. There's an element of like, you saw me do a few times. I'd literally like pause the discussion, be like, pause metagaming. Kids, do you see what just happened? Player A just made a conversation with player B that allowed them to talk further and do industry gossip. That industry gossip will show up again in three to six weeks, probably casually, 
and will be an interesting touch point to pull up the conversation. Stop metagaming. Continue. <laughs> like, but there's an element of like coaching them through that. Mm-hmm. Hey, welcome. So what we're going to do is we're going to introduce ourselves a bit. Uh, and, you know, this is standard. We, we're all going to sound very polished because we do this hundreds of times a week. So, like, don't worry about it. And I'd make sure to have everyone go first before the kids went. So the kids could have behavior to model off of. Sometimes people say like, oh, have the newbies go first. It's like, I prefer to have a couple reliable, replicable humans go first so that you have a model to build off of. Because everything has different social norms. Is it supposed to be, hey, my name's Tiffany. I like ducks. Or is it supposed to be like, you know, my life story? Mm. Like, what is the context you need for this? And sometimes you go to icebreaker events and they try and do the two truths and a lie or like, List the game you're playing right now. And like, I appreciate those, but they can be a little, um, I'm going for more Michelin star energy. That was, it's a little more of a McDonald's experience when you have those generic <laughs> icebreakers. Yeah. And so like, so it's how do we create those sandboxes? How do we create spaces where developers that might be a little embarrassed, they don't, you know, they're a hundred years old in our industry. They might've made two or three games and they, that have been quite popular, but they still don't know how to talk properly to people they don't already know. How do we create sandboxes where there's that safety, that emotional security? It creates trust. These kids have watched me for two semesters being a fake student in their classes, and they had a big reveal the week before that I'm not a student. So they built, yeah. they built rapport with me. And it's interesting because the kids who didn't come to TGIF, they're weird with me in class now. <laughs> they, they've all of a sudden, they've started treating me like a guest speaker instead of another student. <laughs> like, I have not changed. I still am an unwashed grease ball wearing glasses. Like, nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. but they had changed. Their perception of me had changed. And I think it had changed the detriment. Meanwhile, the kids who went to TGIF are still like posting bad memes in chat at me. <laughs> it's very, my work here is done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I want to know where I can go somewhere where I can feel young again. Like <laughs> <laughs> Hit up Gordon Bellamy. That guy does not age. I need to know his skin regime. Dead set. Go hit up Gordon Bellamy. His classes are great. He's in our networking group. You could probably DM him. Okay. All right. See, it, it, uh, it, uh, it's not who you know. It's uh, who you know who's going to introduce you to the next person you know. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, like I said, this applies all up and down the, the, you know, mm. every, every scenario you're in. Um, and I think a lot of uh, indie devs, when they, they, they want to ask specific questions, like, how do I talk to this exact type of person? But the, the skill set is more general than that. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. I can I can use a hammer to hang up a picture. I can also use a hammer to lift a skyscraper. Just matters that I learn what a hammer is, which end to hit with, and how hard I need to hit. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that I've learned because I'm not very good at networking. I think the what? these, uh, these online events. Well, I, these online events. I've talked about this on the show before. These online events have helped me a lot because they're structured. I'm definitely a, a stand in the corner by the cheese plate person. Like I will go to a mic- like an in person mixer and have no success. Because I'm very bad at that yep. type of thing. So I, I felt very, uh, you know, 2K20 has been kind to me in that regard. That I've been able to mm-hmm. find a place that kind of fits what I already am and can't change about myself. Which is probably not true. <laughs> but um, I was going to say, next time you're near an awkward cheese plate, just yeah. find me. I'll loop up with you and then tell me your targets. And we'll figure out how to, 
have an interesting conversation next to them and I'll loop them in naturally. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I have a lot more confidence now once we can go out into the world again, whenever that is, is because I have ha. more connections now, which is really cool through, uh, through these, these events that we've done and through meeting folks like you, Tiffany. And um, what I think is the thing I've learned and, um, you know, I sort of knew it, but uh, you learn it when you experience it, when you have these, these experiences, which is, you know, um, when, you tr when you do treat people like peers, regardless of who they are, then you know th that that those can be real relationships and that's what networking mm -hmm. ultimately is like they may be limited relationships they may not have a lot of content but they mm -hmm. still need to be real and you can know that and i knew that but you don't you, you need to experience it i think um and so that's why like uh, events uh like indicate are important why online networking that we've done in this time has been really important and it and why you know things you've put on for students and stuff like that just Anywhere you can get any of that kind of experience is really valuable. The trick is, is like, it's so hard to find those places. You can, I, I feel lucky that I've been able to have more of those than I think other people have had mm. access to um, because I didn't have the, the training that you had, Tiffany, right? Even with the training, if you don't know how to deploy it in scenarios. So like, mm -hmm. it's interesting because when I'm over in esports land, it is a different beast. The same techniques apply, but instead of a hammer, I'm using a wrench. Right. I can always tell when I've been in esports land too long because I come back over to dev land and I'm a little too fast talking. I'm a little too SF. I'm a little too Silicon bro. And I need to recalibrate usually by hitting up Chris Delion and forcing him to talk to me for two hours. That'll do it. That'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll rip the tech bro right out of you. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is like, and also some people are like, oh, you're so fake. Cause you think about it. It's like, no, you're not fake. You're just like, none of these none of these people air quotes aren't me. They're just versions of me. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, something I want to talk about earlier based on what's thing you said, Mark is like, how do you measure success? Like, I think any devs very much sometimes are like steam wish lists are success. It's like, brah, <laughs> you don't come to indicate to get wish lists. You come to indicate to snatch trophies. Like, like, I don't think people realize the difference between packs and indicate. What they'll just be like, well, PAX has like 500,000 people come through, so it's much more valuable. It's like, yeah, unless you're trying to get a BAFTA when you grow up. <laughs> you know, you want both, but like, you're not, you're referring to kid. It's more likely to get you one over the other. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I hope I answered the question. I got distracted again. <laughs> Jesus, I'm bad at this. If I can put the Ellen spin on this, which Please. means try to sum up an hour and a half conversation in a second. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no, it's good because, I mean, like, you were talking about case studies, right? You were talking about doing the simulation in your classroom. And, you know, I'm a primary learning experience designer who tries mm -hmm. to pull in games. Um, but that <laughs> contextual practice is critical for anything. Mm -hmm. And having case studies and having different examples and counterexamples is really critical to, to developing any sort of understanding or skill involved in a complex system, you know, like a marketplace or people. Mm -hmm. Um but everything that you're that you're saying about from from like feeling slimy but not being slimy to coming prepared to a meeting who you know with someone who's above your pay grade all it comes down to really is you aren't dealing with a marketplace you are dealing with the people in the marketplace mm -hmm. so to do your best work as a game developer and to get your work recognized the first thing you got to do is you got to work with the people who can help you do that and you have to treat mm -hmm. them like people, no matter where they're coming from, what their title is, and how you're coming to meet them, whether it's virtual, in person, or on a bus. There's also an element of like, 
I think we forget that who we are now isn't who we're going to be in five minutes. Like you might be a garbage fire indie dev who doesn't have a prototype at your first GDC, but at your third GDC, you might be an IGF award winning person. And if you make these connections with people before you need them, it's so much more valuable because every, once someone's famous, they want you, they want, I cannot tell you how many devs would not talk to me because I'm not a technical dev. I've always been a business guy until I had the title director and I had the word indicate because to indie devs, all of a sudden I was important. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> y'all didn't care about me when I was working on my own little indie game, but I was on the marketing team. Why do you care about me now? Because you think you can get something out of me and I will remember how you treated me in 09. I'm also spiteful. Everyone else might be nicer than me. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. I'm team well-placed spite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, like I believe in, in, in assuming good intent, but some people don't have that. So. <laughs> Assume, assume good intent, but perceive real action. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Ellen's the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you experienced one of Ellen's trademarks on the program, which is just that like real ability to button it up, just to distill everything we've talked about in a way that is like, uh, that sticks with you for the rest of your life. I love that about Ellen. Yeah. I'm just what a trash fire like anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> what, why do you even have but me here? But a trash fire understands education. <laughs> why do you even have me here? Ellen, like, can say all of this in one sentence, whereas I take two and a half hours of rambling, meandering around corners and bad puns. We've all had that thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean about ourselves. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Either way, it works. Yeah. <laughs> I understood. I, I mean, I think when we were first, when we were first starting this conversation, um, I just, I felt very out of place. Like, I don't know, like, I don't, like, I haven't, I'm not even close to the part in like my Indian development journey to be putting this kind of information to use. And I was like, okay, yes, I, you are. Am I? but you're right. Exactly. You are. And that's <laughs> kind of where I ended up by the end of, um, you know, by the yeah. last few minutes is like, oh no, this is what she's talking about. I can do this. I know how to. I know how to talk to people. I just have to remember that in this new context, whenever I get there, whenever I find myself at GDC or PAX or Indicate or whatever, that it's the same stuff. It's people. Mm -hmm. I know how to talk to people. I can do that. And, and you nailed it. It's that horizontal conversation. You literally, <laughs> metagaming for those of you at home, um, <laughs> we literally had a moment where I rambled into the void. You made it more valuable by distilling it. And then we had a tay a tay three to six sentences later. Et voila, if I see you at an event, I'll be like, oh my God, this girl. So Ellen has the magical ability to make me make sense. And then anyone who's near me be like, wait, more, continue. <laughs> Get her over here. That's a marketable skill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? It's true. It's like an incredible party trick slash oh. resume. But, but then next thing you know, the four people, like that creates that, you know, social lubricant where we can chatter more and it doesn't matter. And I'll be like, you know, and it's, there's this thing about like hyping your friends and like, be, it's a team sport. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Like then I'd be like, yeah, she has educational games and she's like really smart about pulling gaming and education together. And then they'll be like, oh yeah. So like so everyone's like, most people play jumpstart or like the humongous um, entertainment games, like putt putt and all that when they were kids and they're all educational games. So then everyone's going to start talking about Oregon trail. Et voila, you have so many things to add to the conversation. So just cause you're indie. 
I hate the gatekeeping in our industry. I hate when it's like, well, did you program your own engine by age seven? I'm like, I don't know. I, near, I almost failed out of computer science at Harvard. Okay. Like, <laughs> don't ask me questions that I don't have good answers to. But what I will tell you is your pitch deck sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If anyone wants you to tell them that their pitch deck sucks, how can they get in touch with you on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on the internet at at Tautomatic, T-O-T-T-O-M-A-T-I-C. Uh, I don't have a life and I live in the internet now. So please feel free to find me on Twitter. Um, also, LinkedIn. Y'all should get your LinkedIn sorted out. You can Google me by name, Tiffany Otto, <laughs> O-T-T-O, except no substitutions. Also, Brilliant. I'm checking. Uh the Twitter handle your pitch deck sucks appears to be available in case you <laughs> Um, oh man, Holly, like you're your so on the ball. <laughs> the full one would be too long, but you know, if you if you want, ever want to branch out to um to just you know a side, this is your <laughs> your side hustle. Your deck sucks. Yeah, I've tried every version of it. This this seems to be wide open. <laughs> That's our show. Check out our newly revamped website, nicegames.club, thank you, Mark, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club feedback and tell us what you think. Stephen will be grateful. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at nicegamesclub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and tasty frozen desserts. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? There are so many ways. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. And now we're on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Now, Tiffany, go get breakfast. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm dying of starvation. So theoretically, I can be paid $100 an hour to just yell my opinion into the void. If. Steven, you're going to send that check, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm on okay. it. <laughs> <laughs>